0: Welcome, everyone. Today, we're going to talk about uh, publishing myths and how to write a proposal and how to impress an acquisition editor at a publishing house. And our guest today is Terry Whalen. How are you doing today, Terry? Dan, I'm doing great. Wonderful to be with you. Great. Why don't you tell
1: us a little bit about what you do? Oh, Dan, I've uh, done many different things over the years, but uh, mostly I've uh, been a writer of, uh, of books, all all different kinds of books. I've uh, I've written children's books, biographies, uh, co-authored books, um,
0: over actually over sixty books at this point point in my career. Okay, great. Well, I know you as the acquisition editor for a major publishing house, Morgan James. So let's let's start there. I mean, what do a, a lot of my clients, a lot of people listening here. Uh, want to self-publish their books, but even more, they have the dream of getting published by a real publishing house. And Morgan James, of course, has published several true New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestsellers. So I'm just curious, um, what do you as an acquisition editor look for when someone knocks on your door or proverbially knocks on your door by sending you an email? What what separates the winners from the losers?
1: Yeah, it's a couple of things, Dan. Uh, we we receive a lot of material at Morgan James. I usually tell people being an acquisitions editor is like trying to drink water out of a fire hose. You know, I have a lot of uh, material coming my direction. But basically, we're looking for uh, the right author, for one thing. It has to be the right person. But we're also looking for quality quality books to uh, to get them out. But the I guess the third element that we're really looking for is authors that – they get it, that understand they've got to have a connection to their readers, they've got to be out there promoting, selling their books, um, that kind of thing. Because if one of the things I've, I've learned, the hard lessons about the, the book business here, that I can write these great books, I can work with publishers, I can get advances, all that kind of thing, and the books can get in the bookstore. But if the author isn't doing anything, then nothing happens. So the author is the one that really moves those books out of the bookstore and into, into readers' hands.
0: Yeah, very true. I've had six books published by John Wiley, a you know, major publisher that have been translated to six languages. And uh, the last time I spoke with them, they basically asked me the same question uh, 13 times. What are you going to do to sell books so we can make more money? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't ask that many questions about the content of the book. They just wanted to know what I was going to do to help them. So I think that's really important for anyone listening to this uh, podcast to understand is that nothing happens unless the author moves the books. So tell us what are some of the other myths about uh, the publishing industry today because the publishing industry has changed so much in the last two years. What are some of the realities that people need to understand about where publishing is today?
1: Well, the one of the big myths that every, every many authors have is uh, – my book will be a bestseller. My book will make a lot of money. Um, the editor will promote and sell my book. Um, you know, there's there's just a lot of different myths and really unrealistic expectations that people have uh, about publishing. That's, that's part of why I wrote uh, 10 Publishing Myths, Dan. I was really trying to tell authors there's much – In the publishing world that's outside of our control that we can't do anything about but there are some things that they can do things about i mean like each of us have our own email list we have our own website we have our own blog some of those kinds of things so i was really encouraging readers to take their own responsibility and do those things that they could do in this
0: process well said you know how important is a proposal these days to get uh, someone's attention, you know, we're short sure attention spans. Do acquisitioners want to see long proposals, short proposals? And I know you have a new book coming out on proposals, so tell us what the current state of the industry is for proposals. Well,
1: I'm of the opinion that even if you self publish, Dan, and lots of people are doing that self publishing thing out there, they still need a proposal because a proposal is really where they get their their business plan together. They realize who their readers are, how they're going to market the book, who their competition is. There's just a lot of elements that are in a proposal that never appear in your manuscript or, but are very important. Uh, you're right. I wrote, originally I wrote book proposals that sell in 2004 and publishing has changed a lot since uh, 2004. So that's why I completely revised my old book and I uh, got it back out there. It comes out on October 5th. But but Proposals, I wrote that book originally as a frustrated editor because here I was going into these publishing meetings with jaded publishing executives, and I could not get a contract for these authors because I didn't really have the bullets in my gun that I needed to to shoot. And so I wrote book proposes that sell really to try to give authors that ammunition that they need to give the editor the right stuff to be able to go in and get them a book deal at the end of the day. And, and you know, people have used my book to get a $50,000 advance, to get an agent. I mean, it's got over 150 five-star reviews uh, online. So it's, it's really succeeded out there, but I've revised my book now for a whole new
0: generation. I'm excited about that. Cool. So, what what has changed? What do people need to know now about writing a proposal?
1: Well, one of my twenty-one secrets was uh, always include an SASE, and a lot of people don't even know what an SASE is—self-addressed uh, stamped envelope. Because back then, we mailed the things in the physical mm-hmm. mail. Uh, these days, you've got to you've got to ask the editor if. If they want, you know, pitch the editor with like a one page pitch letter to see if they're really interested in it, because, you know, with with spam and viruses and all this stuff that are on attachments, we don't just click on our attachments and Mm -hmm. open all that stuff. So you've got to you've kind of got to be a vetted source to get get the editors okay to send you send your stuff into them.
0: Mm hmm. Interesting. I've been on several agents' websites, and it seems that they have submission forms there. And everyone has a slightly different submission form, uh, but that might get around the email trap because you're right. I don't open up emails or or, or uh, attachments from people I don't know. It's uh, <laughs> you never know. I mean, there are a lot of people who are posing as possibly good people, but uh, the scammers, the scammers know that trick too. So that that's unfortunate. Are there any Mistakes, you know, things that glare out that something you see that just says warning. This person doesn't get it when you see a proposal or a cover letter, for that matter.
1: Well, yeah, I, I would say one of the key mistakes that authors make is that uh, they'll they will say either in their cover letter or in their proposal that there is no competition for this book. That my, <laughs> that my idea is purely unique. Nobody's ever done this before. Well, you know, Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes. there's nothing new under the sun. And I believe that. And, you know, every book is going to compete in the marketplace. I mean, there's over 4,500 new books that come out every single day, Damon. Mm-hmm. So to, to tell me that, there's no competition for your book it is just
0: totally, totally something that I roll my eyes when I see it. Yeah. Uh, in back in my PR days, I'd roll my eyes, too, and someone said they have a new high-tech product. That, totally unique. It 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 either told me one, two, two things. One, they didn't do their homework. Or two, there's no market for this because... <laughs> Someone would have thought about it before. Phil Gates didn't <laughs> think about it. Jeff Bezos didn't think about it. It's probably not worth, not worth pursuing. It's probably not a market for it. <laughs> so very true. Um, you know let, Let's talk a little bit more about uh, some of those publishing myths that you have in your book, especially today, because the world has changed so much. You know, digital publishing, ebooks, books uh, books on audiobooks and such like that. Where do you see the industry going
1: Oh well that's a good question uh, I don't have much of a crystal ball Dan, I hate to tell you but uh I'm just trying to uh to make good books work with good authors and uh, get get good stuff out there but but yeah uh I was on a I was on a uh a webinar the other day with uh Marcus duhay and adam grant um Marcus is the uh, CEO of uh, Random House, hmm. and he was saying that this is the best time to be in publishing since Gutenberg is what he was what he was saying, and it's 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 really true. Um, and everybody thought when digital books came out they were going to overtake print, but the reality is eighty um, percent of the books that are sold in the world are print books, twenty <laughs> percent is digital. Hmm. Um, Audiobooks are a booming kind of thing, but, uh, and they were talking about how children's books are exploding out there. Um, and you know, it, it just all depends on the genre that you're going to write, uh, the readers that you can touch, uh, the email list that you have and the connections you have at, at the end of the day as, as a writer, that's, that's what it boils down to. I mean, even as an author I ignored LinkedIn for a long time. I didn't have any connections over there at all. I mean, people would send me invitations, I'd go, "Nah, I'm not going to do that." But then I understood the value of LinkedIn, and I have over 19,000 connections on LinkedIn. And so, when I need to reach out to somebody, often I will go over there and see if I'm connected to them and see what their email address is cuz People in publishing move around all the time, and that's a great way just to keep up with people.
0: That's a great idea. Do you do you use LinkedIn for marketing for your books, or do you advise other authors to use LinkedIn for marketing? And if so, what are some uh, strategies?
1: Yeah, I guess I I guess I use it for marketing in a sense that I post on LinkedIn a lot, uh, but I'm I'm posting content mostly, so it's I'm not trying to sell anything to anybody. I'm basically. Trying to show the benefits of different things or give them free stuff of mine so they can get on my email list and uh, then I can develop that that relationship with them so people people use LinkedIn in funny kinds of ways they'll you know I'll connect with somebody and they'll try to sell me something right away and that's that's not the way of uh, using using LinkedIn out
0: there. (laughs) Yeah, I delete those people right away. Uh, I don't know (laughs) what book they read that made them think that this was going to be worthwhile, but that's not a good book. You know, most of the people who are listening to this podcast are business owners or professionals or coaches and consultants. You know, what advice would you have for them in order to create great content for their books? Well,
1: every book has Something out there to to promote some story, some content. So I would encourage them to take their book and uh, put it into bite side chunks. Uh, publish it in, in the blogs. Uh, guest blog posts are a great thing. Uh, magazine articles are a great thing. Everybody forgets about print magazines, but print magazines you can reach a hundred, two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand people out there with that. And your book as a, as a business owner or a coach is really your authority statement. It gives you authority and that's something you should be out there pushing that content out there in the benefits of the book and say at the bottom that you're the author of such and such. And that'll come back to you as that that material gets out there
0: and gets, gets published. Good advice. You know, I'm a a book coach and developmental editor and I'm, I'm surprised at how many people don't use an outside editor to help them make their books better. What advice do you have for people who are writing books? Uh, How can they work with an editor or a book coach in order to make their books better?
1: Well, part of the key, Dan, is to find the right Book coach or the right editor. I usually tell people that uh, finding the right editor is almost like trying to find the right spouse. You know, you got to check them out and see who's going to be right for you. One editor is going to come along and want to completely rip up all the pavement in your book uh, and charge you a exorbitant amount of money for that. The next editor is going to want to just change a few words and put some commas in and charge you accordingly. So. I always advise people to check them out, uh, have them do a sample, edit uh, a page or two, see what see what the, they can do and see if there's really a connection there. You want to you find the right, the right editor for you, and every one of us need an editor. I mean, good grief, I've written over 60 books, and I'm still using editors uh, for my stuff. It's not perfect when I write it the first time, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, that, that's so true. Thanks for bringing up that good point. Uh, as we close out the interview, any final uh, words of advice for aspiring uh, authors of nonfiction business books?
1: Yeah, you know, I guess I would tell them um, I've been in some of the top literary agencies in, in New York and with, with the editors there in New York City. And while these people at least on the surface look like they're totally closed they're totally full they don't need any more clients all that the reality is they're just like me they get up every day they read their email they read their pitches even though they get hundreds of them and they're they're looking for the 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 gold in there and so I would encourage people not to get discouraged if they get rejected, but just to, just to keep going because you're looking for the, the right fit and the right editor and the right person for you. And it takes a lot of searching to find that, that right fit. I mean, the Chicken Soup for the Soul guys were rejected over 140 times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now it's one of the most prolific series in the English language. They didn't give up. So you shouldn't give up either with your dream and your desire of what you want to do.
0: Great advice. Terry, tell us who your perfect client is and how can they get in touch with you? Well, my perfect client is
1: um, somebody that maybe has a book proposal or has a book manuscript and wants to get published. And so my email address is actually on my Twitter profile there because I want people to be able to reach me. It's just simply terry at com. Um, people tell me that I'm one of the most accessible people in, in publishing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. And you've always been a good friend and a uh, person who gives me ter- terrific advice and someone who I am proud to introduce my clients to because you always treat them so well. So Terry, thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Dan, I just appreciate this opportunity and, uh, Always appreciate our friendship very much. Thank
0: you. Thank you. And thanks, everyone, for listening today. Thank you for listening to the Write Your Book in a Flash podcast with Dan Janelle. The only podcast that shows you exactly how people just like you have built their businesses by writing a book. If you'd like to write your book but don't know where to start, you can find great information at writeyourbookinaflash.com. If you're ready to take your next step to write the book that can transform your business, I invite you to schedule a free, no-obligation consulting call with me. By going to writeyourbookinaflash.com. We'll be back next week with another insightful interview to help you become a top business leader.